Hey, what's going on, everyone? You are listening to another episode of Doable Discipleship, or as we like to call it, the show that helps you grow. This is your co-host, Brandon Robinson, and today I am joined by Rob Jacobs and Bill and Christy Galtier. Now, if you don't know who Bill and Christy are, they've been on our show a few times before, um, but Bill and Christy, they've been uh, counseling and ministering people for over 30 years. Bill is a psychologist who has served in a private practice, um, has also pastored churches. Christy is a licensed marriage and family therapist um, who's also served in their own private practice and they serve in church ministry together. And they have founded Soul Shepherding. It's a nonprofit ministry to help believers discover their next steps for growing in intimacy with Jesus, emotional health, um, loving relationships. Uh, they're local here in California and they have just released a book called Journey of the Soul. Now, when I tell you that this interview was awesome, I really mean it. It. This interview was awesome. This book is amazing. I've got, uh, I've gotten the chance to check it out a little bit before that it's it, before it's come out, and it's really, really good. And I mean that. Um, so it's Journey of the Soul. Make sure you look that up. It's in our show notes. Uh, you can do it the old-fashioned way. Just type in Journey of the Soul, Bill and Christine. It'll pop up on Amazon and all the different places uh, that it is available. But also, I want to mention this: journeyofthesoul.org. It's it's the uh, companion website to the book. It's really good, full of resources. There's different music for each of the stages, which we'll talk about in the interview. Um, there's also helpful videos that go along with it. There's curriculum and questions. It's so, so good. So make sure you check out journeyofthesoul.org. I'm gonna stop talking now and we're gonna get into the conversation with Bill and Christy right now. Well, Bill and Christy Galtier, thank you so much for being on the show. You guys have been on the show before, and we're glad to have you back. Briefly, if you guys can just give us a quick snapshot. We already, you already have a little bit of a relationship with our audience, but we have some new people. Give us a quick snapshot of who you guys are, what you do, um, and what we're getting at today. Bill and I are doctors of psychology, and more important than that, we're children of God like all of you, and the Lord has just called us and given us unique opportunities to understand the soul of people and to understand the journey of following Christ in discipleship, and so we just love that your audience is wanting to understand how to do discipleship with Jesus and how to grow closer and more like him. And that's what we are all about as um, therapists, as pastors, as spiritual directors, and most importantly, just as fellow pilgrims. And we do that together, Bill and I. We've been married 35 years and been partnering in ministry together and following Jesus together in that time as well. And we, we love the local church. We have a, a long history as a, at a mega church setting and then also in a church plant and uh, doing that together. And so our ministry of Soul Shepherding is all about helping pastors and their people, uh, church leaders, missionaries, other leaders, in how to care for their soul and be strong in their ministry and their leadership. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You guys have written this book, Journey of the Soul, your, your newest book. Um, and in it, you talk about different stages. What do you mean by stages? Because I think that might be a new concept. Um, I for me, it was definitely a new concept If I was looking through and reading. What do you mean by these different stages? Well, people develop in stages. We uh, physically, uh, cognitively, emotionally, spiritually, in our faith, uh, socially, in our relationships, there are stages. This has been studied by psychologists and by uh, great Christian uh, uh, thinkers, spiritual leaders, really for centuries but especially in the last uh, 50 years. So we have a lot of understanding about how people develop now. And so what we did is we integrated the, the psychological and spiritual uh, understandings and research, uh, along with our own experience with, with people as, as therapists and spiritual directors and pastors. And so we integrated that into a model of the Christ stages of faith, uh, emphasizing the emotional and spiritual growth dynamics. What was that process like for you writing the book? What was it like for you going, you know what? We have to write about these stages, these Christ stages that we're going through. And what made that, what was unique enough about it that made you guys go, aha, there's something here that we need to put down on, on paper? 
One of the things that helped us was that we started to hear from people that we teach and that we minister to, that we have all this unconscious competencies that we're not even aware of or appreciating the things that we have known through our own studies and our experience and 70,000 hours between the two of us in the pool, paying with people as therapists in office and journeying with people through these different stages. And so as we began to realize that we had this and we needed to articulate it for more people to understand and to benefit from all that God had given us. And so it was actually really out of that desire to share and coming to appreciate and recognize how much we actually use this this model that God's given us of understanding how people develop and grow both spiritually, emotionally, you know, relationally on all different levels, even cognitively and how that all goes together and that understanding can be so catalytic in our growth in Christ. Basically, we wrote the book that that we needed, you know, uh, mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Christy and I individually uh, been through different times of uh, difficulty and suffering, hitting the wall spiritually and, and, and uh, uh, early on in our young adulthood, not, not understanding what was going on, not having language for what was happening in our faith and what we were feeling and what was the Holy Spirit doing in our life. And, and then through our, our work as therapists, we began to, to get a lot of understanding about this. And we just constantly were talking to people who were, who were trying to get help with their, their discipleship with the Lord as it relates to the different uh, challenges and questions and doubts and stuck places and burnouts that people go through. And so we began to see that there, there's, a, there's a pattern to the, these stages and, and, and that we cycle through these stages. And that when people get the language for it, the light bulbs go on for them and it gives them so much uh, insight and, and encouragement and, and hope that they, they can continue forward with Jesus. I think another thing that really excited us as we were writing the book is that the Lord just highlighted for us the power of how, as we understand each one of these stages, how he is with us in each stage and he's at work in each stage Mm -hmm. and how each stage is so precious and important to him. And that was a real passion for us because in the church, we think this will be really unifying. If people can understand that the people that they go to church with, the people in their community might be in a different stage. And as they understand that instead of judge the other or judge themselves and feel like they're failing, they can actually come into an understanding and help each other along the journey. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Before we jump into the six stages, the Christ stage, what do you help us understand what you mean by a home stage? Well, uh, so in the the Christ stage model, there's, um, you know, the six different stages and then the wall in the middle or might be at any stage, but your home stage is, is the, the phase or the um, constellation of experiences and challenges that most reflect where you are now. So th- this is not, uh, I mean, it lays out as though it's a linear model because it's developmental. And so we'll unpack that. But th- the reality is that we're going back and forth, uh, s- sort of further uh, down the road and then, then, then back and, and we're in more than one place at a time. So it's, re- it's really not boxy, but there's one stage that's sort of the best fitting of where I am now, the, the needs that I'm having now, the challenges I'm having now, the temptations, how God is working in my life, how God's grace is impacting me in, in this season. And then also what, uh, what soul care practices and what spiritual disciplines are likely to be most helpful for me for each stage, those things line up. And so we, we in the Journey of the Soul book, we have uh, questions for each of the stages to help you assess, you know, is this, the, is this where I'm at now? And when you understand where you are now, then everything opens up for you in terms of the, uh, the kinds of things that you're dealing with and w- what activities and practices are likely to be most helpful, what scriptures maybe are going to especially speak to you, what things you need to pray through and talk through and work through for your growth. One of the things I think about in terms of home stage is this is our journey. We're on a trail and we use this language in the book about being on a trail. And it's maybe where your tent is camped out right now is your home stage. But that's moving and where you are on the path and where you are camping out is going to move. And there's special graces and new views and new things to eat and enjoy at each of the different stages along your path. And just because you've been in a stage before doesn't mean you're never going to go there again. You might want to go back there because there's really things of value there. And usually as we are growing, 
while we're camped out in one stage at a time, because we need to go deep and wide in what God's got for us there, we also are having some touches into the next stage. Maybe it's like we start to listen to people that are in that stage and learn about it to prepare us for that next stage. And we start to maybe give advice and empathy and understanding some people that haven't gotten to the stage we're in yet, because we understand and we realize we have something to give there. We have an experience we've learned from. And so we're still drawing on the richness of what we gained at that previous stage. And we're, we're getting some vision, some desire, some longing to move towards the next stage. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And, you know, there's a phrase and, and Bill, you just said it, you're kind of hitting on, on grace. Um, and in the book, there is a phrase of uh, growing in grace. And you also talk about the cycle of grace. How does, in the cycle of, of works, how does this all play together? Cycle of grace, cycle of works, growing in grace. Why is it important that we understand the distinction between these two? Well, oftentimes uh, as Christians, uh, we think of grace as like something we receive in sort of a passive way. And we get paralyzed in that, actually. If, if we limit grace to God's favor, and grace certainly is God's forgiveness and unmerited favor, uh, God's blessing, but grace is also power. Grace is energy and strength to, to do God's will. And uh, grace is not just something we passively receive, it's something we grow in. So Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. And there are a number, we have a whole Bible study on grace in the second chapter of the book. And so with, sort of with that theological understanding, then we, we go into contrasting grace and works, uh, particularly uh, uh, unpacking Ephesians chapter 2, uh, you know, the famous teachings on, on grace, you know, for it's by grace you have been saved. You know, it's not by works that anyone should boast, but it's a free gift of God uh, so that you can do good works. And, and the uh, little literal Greek there is so that you can be God's poem and because and, you you're, are wonderfully unique and special and have, have gifts to bring. And so understanding the interplay of grace and works is really fundamental to these stages of faith because faith is on the human side of the equation. That that's our trusting in God and believing the scriptures and the, and the gospel and, and growing in our, our, our bond to Jesus and to the Father and the Spirit. But the, um, the outworking of that then is the, the, the stuff that we can now do, the ways that we can serve God, the ways that we can help people. And so differentiating those, we, we contrast the cycle of grace and the cycle of works. And may, maybe, Christy, you want to comment on that? Yeah. Unfortunately, we are raised in a society where we learn early on conditions of worth. We learn early on that if we're going to get attention or we're going to get what we want, sometimes there's something that we need to depend upon ourselves or we need to work hard to get. And that can lead us into a cycle of works, even in our faith, even our relationship with God, where we think if I'm going to get what I want, I need to, it's up to me and it's up to my dependency on myself. And so we can start to get in this cycle of works where we think if I do A, then God will do B. And we can start to manufacture and think, oh, I've got to go out and do all these good things for God so that God will love me. And that is right. not scriptural. And that actually is damaging to our soul. And that's not the message that God gives us. But it gets confusing for us because we know that God in his word gives us instructions like to serve, to give. Mm -hmm. But we're not realizing that apart from his grace, we can't do that. We can't do that on our own and we're going to burn out. And so we're unpacking that and kind of some of the cycles we unconsciously get caught up in. And then how the Lord is inviting us into this cycle of grace, this way of, of walking with him, working with him, of organic fruit in ministry. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get into that later um, in the conversation because there's so much goodness there. But before we get into kind of a deep dive into these different stages, could you guys give us just a quick snapshot of, of the six stages? Yeah, so uh, Christ is a, uh, an acronym, and we, ch we chose that because Jesus is the model and the mediator of faith. You know, the, uh, our uh, Lord and Savior, the Son of God, is also uh, fully human, and so he, uh, he lives a life of faith in God as a human being, and we see that in the Gospels. And so he shows us 
the Christ stages. And so the, the uh, C stage is confidence uh, in Jesus, confidence in God. And uh, that's where we're born from above and where we become a Christ follower and the life of God enters into us, uh, eternal life. And we're forgiven of our sins and, and we come to know the Father's love. And then the H stage is help and discipleship. And that's where we're beginning uh, to really get more involved in church and uh, dig into God's word and learning some different spiritual disciplines, especially reading the Bible and prayer and attending a small group and uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe uh, we get baptized, uh, we take communion, some of the, the Christian um, sacraments and so forth. And so in, in help and discipleship, the, the, all the stages are stages of discipleship, but the help is key here because we're being mentored by our pastor, by uh, our, maybe a small group leader, or uh, a friend who's further along on the journey, but we're, we're being taught and we're, we're learning the Christian doctrines. We're, under, we're learning how to apply the scriptures to our life. Um, and, and then the R stage is responsibilities and ministry. And this is where we discover that, that God has given us gifts, unique gifts and passions and ways that we can serve the Lord and help people and make a difference. And uh, in, in the book, we call these joy gifts. Because uh, the gifts that are described in the New Testament, the spiritual gifts, the, when we get to use those, uh, it, it brings us joy because it's like, wow, I'm able to help somebody. It's awesome. Uh, it's very fulfilling for us. The stage of, of doing things and serving God and being involved in the church, being involved in the community, going out on mission and uh, doing all that we can to, to share the gospel and share the love of Jesus with people. Uh, usually after some years, uh, in, in the R stage, we will hit a wall. Uh, we might hit a wall before the R stage because we can hit the wall at, at any stage, uh, at every stage, there are tensions. Uh, there's tensions between God's grace and the roadblocks that we hit. Uh, and any one of those could become a wall, but the most common place that we see it is, is right there in the middle of the Christ stages. It's after some years of serving God and, and being involved in, in church and ministry, where we, we get tired, we get maybe spiritually dry, or we struggle with a, a season of doubt or a faith crisis, or we burn out, or we have a moral blowout, or we're just uh, suffering from compassion fatigue and seeing so much suffering in the world. And, you know, it feels like God's not answering my prayers. Many different expressions of what might become a wall, but the key in all that is that the spiritual life isn't working for me the way it used to, and I'm not uh, experiencing God's presence or blessing the way I used to, and it's leaving me confused and struggling in my faith. And the work of the Holy Spirit at the wall is to prompt us towards the inner journey. And that's the I stage. And that's where we we're asking some questions about our faith and about our feelings and about the way God is working in our life. And we're needing to do some digging in and work working through of of issues in our heart and our soul and our relationships and, and especially our relationship with God. And so we, we need to talk with somebody and, and get help with these things. And then if we will do this, it, it opens up for us pathways of healing and new and deeper experiences of God's grace and, and a new intimacy with God and a new renewal. And so the I stage can be a stage of great spiritual renewal. Then the S stage is spirit-led ministry. And uh, that's where we uh, have a new sense of God's uh, presence and power, a, a new sense of God's anointing on our, our work, our service, our, our, our ministry, uh, the things that we can do. And it's interesting how we're, we're going back to the R stage in a way here in terms of our activity level, uh, but we have a, a new sense of power because in the R stage, we're working hard for God. But in the S stage, not only are we working for God, we're working with God. And so the S stage is the easy yoke stage. There, there is a, a way about us that is, is more unhurried. It's more in tune with God's grace. We've developed some habits for cooperating with the spirit as we love people and as we lead. And then the T stage is transforming union. And that's the stage of practicing God's presence, uh, a stage of really being all in uh, for Jesus, like we see so clearly in the life of the Apostle Paul or, or David, you know, a man after God's own heart, uh, Mary, uh, the, uh, the mother of Jesus, many, many figures in Scripture, we see this 
a devotion to God and this willingness even to go through trials or persecutions or, or suffering as a way of leading people to Jesus. And we, we have a, a deep knowing of God's goodness and, and grace and kindness, even when we don't feel it. That's good. Absolutely. I think, too, one of the things that might be helpful is we blend Bill just going through the Christ stages there and laying them out what they are. And then back to your question, Brandon, about the home stage is that we'll cycle through these stages more than once. So think about it this way. As a child, I was going through the developmental stages. I experienced things as a child, then as an adolescent, then as a young adult, then as a midlife mm -hmm. adult, um, I, having a family of my own and raising children of my own and going through the stages again of the, that I just laid out. Went back, entered into that child phase with them. And then when they were adolescents and then as they're young adults and now that they're raising children. And so now I'm a grandparent. And as a grandparent, I'm cycling back through this again. And I'm with my little my little toddler granddaughter again, and we're potty training right now. And I'm remembering all the things I learned from my own experience, potty training and potty training my children. And now I have all that to bring to offer my grandchild. And it's the same thing. And I'm going to get to journey with my grandchild now through her development and her growth and bring to her all that I've learned. But that's not my home stage. My home stage is as a, as a more mature adult. And I'm still in relationship with my mother and others, Jane Willard, one of my, my mentors, uh, who's ahead of me still on the journey in, in an older stage, an elderly stage that I haven't yet reached and I learn and glean from them. So I think that's a way that it can be a helpful analogy for us as well with these stages. Yeah, that's, a, that's an incredibly helpful way to, way to put that. Well, let's get into the first stage, confidence in Christ, the C stage. Um, and Rob, I would love to hear from you here as well, but help us understand, describe some of the characteristics of this stage. Um, why is Abraham the prototype for this stage as well? Well, he's the father of faith and you know he, he goes on a, a journey, a, a pilgrimage of faith. And so it's uh, his trust in God that uh, it's because of that, that God declares him as, as righteous. And so, uh, you know, faith is on the human side of the equation. That's the beginning of our, our journey here is, is putting that, that confidence in God. And we do that through Jesus. And so, um, yeah, this is a stage of coming to, to new life uh, through uh, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. This, uh, the symbol we use for this stage is the church. For each stage, we have a different symbol in the book. And uh, that's because so often we come to faith through attending church or through someone from a local church that shares the gospel with us. And, and you know, that's really the best place to come to faith is, is in the context of the local church because there's a community there. And right. the church is designed to help us uh, come to understand the, the doctrines of the faith and, and the, the teachings of Scripture and, and how to live this out together in community uh, as a church and also in the community around us, in our city and, and beyond out, out into the world. Yeah, Bill, one of the things you guys write, I, I thought this was so fascinating, is you said that regardless of what physical age we are when we first put our faith in Jesus, at the C stage, you said we're like children. And, that, and I thought this was interesting. Child development research shows that faith in God is experiential, relational and imaginative before it's reasonable. And then you follow up with, we need to belong before we can believe. Un unpack that a quick second. Yeah. So um, I think some of us have a faith that's uh, including myself in this, you know, sort of like a left brain, linear, analytical, rational, and that's a very important part of faith, but we can miss that the foundation of faith is really a relationship. And it's entering into a spiritual reality that uh, it transcends thinking. It includes thinking, but it goes beyond it. So, you know, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to become like a child. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you need to be like one of these children here. And so that sense of childlike trust and, and wonder and, and bonding uh, we need to, uh, go there and access that and be comfortable, 
uh, whether it's, you know, in church, singing praise songs to God and lifting my hands and, and expressing adoration and affection for God like a child might. Or uh, sometimes I uh, will actually, as I'm walking, I'll, I'll skip and I'll, I'll skip to get my body moving and happy. And as I skip, I say, I'm the disciple Jesus loves. And it's a, a way for me as a sort of a normally serious uh, adult to re remember that, you know, it's good to be childlike and it's good to be uh, uh, playful. And I, I want to, to trust in God uh, deeply. I, I think sometimes we think that to be a Christian, we need to sort of like get all our ducks in a row, have all the right doctrine and, and our doctrines, our beliefs, our teachings are, are very important, but we, we can miss the fact that what the, the essence of the Christian faith, it, it's, it's right there in, in the children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's it, it, it just, do I love Jesus like a child? And I, I always want to be realizing that's the foundation, that, that, that trust that just says, Jesus is the best. Jesus is awesome, and I'm going to follow him, and I trust him with my life. I think there is a, a wonder there. As we come to Christ, we place our confidence in Christ, and we discover the treasures of the kingdom. And there's an excitement and an enthusiasm, and we're eager to go out and start sharing it right away. I even think of a child often when they'll taste something for the first time, they're pretty quick to say, do you want some to, to want to share? Because they they're so overjoyed by this new experience that they're having. And so oftentimes in the Christ stages, people are enthusiastic to start inviting others to church and to share their faith. And that is an exciting and contagious thing, even though there's so much they don't yet know or have experienced yet. Yeah. I love that you use the church as a symbol for that chapter because, and for, and for the audience, like, all of these stages, well, first, let me say, this isn't, we're not in a race to go through these stages. Mm -hmm. So like, this is, you know, and you'll, and Bill unpack, Bill and Christy will unpack this a little bit. Like the Holy Spirit is doing work here. Actually, yes. Holy Spirit's doing work. Let's name them. But like for me, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a little bit about how my life, my faith life at Saddleback is, is mirrored in these stages. <clears throat> I, I, I accepted Christ. I enter into the, the C stage outside of the church. <clears throat> this happened for me when I was in the Marine Corps, but I never started really progressing through the stage till I got connected to the church. And for me, that's Saddleback. So I start being part of the body. I start, I take class one-on-one, I get connected to the family. I start building relationships with people. I, I'm baptized. So even that imaginative idea of like being buried with Christ mm -hmm. and raised to him, yes. the idea of being part of a family with brothers and sisters to imagine what that's like to be connected, to be, you know, in relationship with people as we, as you talked about that idea of experiential relational and imagine if it's all there for me happening at Saddleback and especially in class one-on-one and getting into a group and getting baptized and, and just becoming part of the body becoming part of Christ's family. Um, so that, that stage, you know, pl plays out for me over a couple of years, but um, it was definitely a, a distinct stage that I look back on. It was like so, so much joy, right? Cause that gets me started on the path. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. And belonging is a theme to, to use your Saddleback basis model in the C stage. It's a lot about belonging and community where Jesus is at the center as the most exalted member of the community. Okay, let's 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 take it to the next stage. Well, let's yeah, let's go to the next stage. H stage, helping, helping the discipleship. So once once we're belonging to the family of God, we're part of the body of Christ. We're enthusiastic of of this new relationship with Jesus, and we're appreciating the forgiveness of the C stage. Then we start to get to hunger to realize there's so much more here to learn. So we, I've got this book. It's the Bible. That's our symbol for the H stage. And yet I don't really know how to make use of it. I don't really understand it. And it's a little bit overwhelming. I mean, 66 books and it's pretty deep reading and there's a lot of history. And so how, how do I interact with this? How do I learn with this? What, what role does scripture have in my relationship with God? And uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? He's, he's asking me to be a disciple of him. 
Um, and we start to maybe in our enthusiasm in the C stage engage in some of those conversations of sharing our faith, but then we get questions we don't, we're not ready for. And so in help and discipleship, we're starting to get some understanding of that and learning about that and learning about scripture and learning about the Trinity, learning about some of the basic doctrines of our faith, like confession and forgiveness and learning about some spiritual practices like taking communion and like prayer and how to pray and how to, what prayer looks like, not just even just for my own prayers, but even to pray for others. And so there's so much for us to learn and the help and discipleship stage kind of parallels. We're going to school. We're starting to learn. We become a student of Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is through other people who are more advanced, who know more, who can teach us. And then we're, we're joining in with a small group and we're learning together as a group. And we're excited and sharing the different things that we're learning. So, so God's using us in that context of growing together. And this is a time where often God will use things like, so we're, we're learning to worship. So we're, we're learning scripture and we're learning worship songs that help us in our faith. And we're learning rhythms of how to pray and how to, how to have engage in some rhythms in our spiritual life and make those priority in a regular part of my, our life, like even church attendance regularly. So with yeah. our kids, uh, when they were uh, teenagers, I took each of them individually through the Westminster Catechism and we opened up the scriptures together and looked at the doctrines uh, of the scripture. And we looked at things like, you know, learning how to pray using the Lord's prayer and the things that are in that catechism and got conversation going, question and answer conversation to help them with learning their faith and, and digging into God's word. And, and this was the H stage. This was help and discipleship. Yeah, th that's so interesting. And uh, Christy, you're kind of speaking to it with the H stage, right? With, well, with the C stage, you're excited. You've come to Christ. You're telling people like, you got to accept Jesus. Why? Because it's a feeling. <laughs> I feel so much better. You got to come, please come, please come. Um, and then you, yeah, you start to get these questions where you're like, well, I don't really know how to answer that, but I'm just telling you, you got to trust me. There's something here. Um, are there any other roadblocks or places to get stuck in the eighth stage? Because you're learning so much, you're taking in so much, you're learning to live in this new family. Um, what are the roadblocks that keep us from, uh, I guess, maybe fully grasping this stage? Yeah, well, we've got one major roadblock at each stage. So like for the C stage, uh, we name that as soul splits because uh, sin splits our soul. And so the different temptations that we have uh, at the C stage put us between two worlds, between the kingdom of God and between uh, the, the earthly world or even the, the world of darkness. And we're sort of going back and forth. And what, what cures that uh, problem is the, the hesed love of God, which means sticky love. And that's the, the, in the C stage, we're trusting God. And as that gets healthier, it's a, it's a bonding. And the, the winsomeness and, uh, and the wonderfulness of God's grace is sticky. And so God's love draws us out of the world. And then in the H stage, we're resolving that conflict more in, in faithfulness to the Lord. And now we're going deeper through his word. And the, the roadblock there is misinterpreting scripture. As Christy was saying, there's a lot to understand in God's word. We need, we need to do some, some study. We need to, some good teaching. We need to, to uh, work it through, talk it through in, in small groups and so forth. And uh, so the grace there that, that helps us is God's word in community. And, and that is like the small group model that churches like Saddleback are so great at. We, we so need that because we need to uh, help each other understand. And we need a teacher to help us understand God's word and, and apply it to our life. One of the roadblocks too in the H stage is because our cognitive development in the H stage is concrete and linear. Sometimes we can get overly black and white and overly rules focused because this is a stage where we're needing to learn the rules and we the rules are so important they're so helpful but we can get too tied to legalism in the h stage if we're not careful and fall into that cycle of works of thinking that it's all about what i do and about and get into an earning mentality with god yes yeah i think it's so important to as you're saying you gotta have community you have to have people that you're traveling with that can 
identify some of those things that are going on the roadblocks and help you um, help you continue to move forward. I think of back at least where I'm from North Carolina in the South and at my high school, it was a really big deal. People who had Jeeps and they had like what they call a winch. Um, I'm sure they have that all plenty of places in California, but there's like a little tiny rope that they would pull out. You could pull out other Jeeps with. So a lot of people would go, go out into the country, would go mudding, um, get stuck. And you have someone who, who their car has a winch and they would connect it to your car and help pull you out. Um, exactly. and it kind of feels like that you need someone who can, has a little bit more horsepower than you <laughs> that can help move you along, just give you a nice gentle nudge in the right direction. And you can't muscle yourself through, you can't willpower yourself through. You got to have people you're traveling with that can help you. You have an interesting phrase. What do you mean when you say, don't try train? What does that mean? Yeah, well, it's uh, key with the uh, H stage. We talk about that because we're, as Christy was saying, we're prone to to legalism there and to uh, uh, self-reliance and uh, black and white thinking, being judgmental of others. And it, I mean, the positive of that is that we're, we're idealistic about uh, the things that we're learning and the goodness of God and the goodness of, of the scriptures and God's teachings. Uh, but the downside is that we can get really negative about that. So in the earnestness of the H stage and the idealism of that, and the, we, we, can, uh, we can be trying and not realizing that is, while effort is important in the spiritual life, we're, we're not going to grow without trying, uh, it's not sufficient. And so in the healthy H stage, we're learning not only to, to try, but to train. And so we're, ge we're getting intentional about our use of spiritual disciplines. And this is a main theme throughout our, our book, uh, Journey of the Soul, not only in the H stage, but in all the stages, we're talking about a, a tremendous variety of spiritual disciplines. We like to use the term soul care practices to put it in the realm of uh, our, our needs and, and our emotions and our relationships so that we can be strong in our intimacy with God and strong in our, our service to, to love other people. So uh, don't try train is a, a, a dictum for wisdom and wise living that if we will train, then we can begin to develop habits of loving God, habits of loving neighbor, habits of uh, basic soul care so that I can be strong and nourished in the Lord. Yeah. So one of the things that this stage reminds me of so much is, you know, at Saddleback, we talk about how the worship messages on the weekend can help us um, be exposed to our, the five purposes. So again, going back to that imaginative idea of like to see the five purposes and to know that now there's these different places to, to, to be able to live out our life for Jesus. And then we have a class system, right? So we we start to help explain the purposes in depth and help people understand what that looks like for their life. And as you said, Bill, people are in small groups and they're learning and going through curriculum and Bible studies and all these things. And, and then even, you know, going through like foundations where we learn the, the 11 chord, you know, uh, theological um, <clears throat> convictions of our church and, and <clears throat> unpacking that and, and getting greater depth and, you're learning and you're learning and you're learning <clears throat> and, and that still continues. But as we even, as we show people at Salbeck, that's, that's part of it. And you never stop learning and you're always in the word, but then we move into this place of, we have now these gifts and we have, and we have this ability to serve our church and to move into ministry. And, and, and in your book, we talk about that as called the R stage or responsibilities in ministry. Um, and you said that mo most of us would say we understand ministry, the in that that kind of serving end of being a volunteer. But talk about the serving part as part of our identity development. Um, and and I think there's probably both negative and positive aspects to that. But what does it mean to move into this stage and really begin to use our gifts and start serving the church? That's yeah. so important, Rob. Such a good question. And let's look at our development as children again and think about how we begin to start to realize that we have we have some skills, some things we can learn. Maybe you discovered at some point in your life that you were good at a sport 
or at an instrument, but that you had some unique and special gifts and talents. And with that comes a sense of power, right? As we discover that, and also a sense of identity. Maybe you found a group of people that you felt you most belonged with as you began to use your gift and an instrument in band. And you started to relate to the band members or on the field with the sports team. But we, that becomes core and it begins to shape our identity and how we see ourselves and how people see us as well and relate to us and what they appreciate about us. And so for our symbol for the R stage, we use a medal, uh, like, a, like an award that you earn, a ribbon that you would get for a performance well done or a, a tournament won, because that starts to happen to us where we can actually start to get a lot of attention and a lot of affirmation or using the gifts that God's given us for his glory. But we can't do that without also our ego kind of getting attached to that as well. Um, our ego is taking in strokes there as we feel like, oh, wow, look, I can do this and I can do this well. And people are appreciating this and people are affirming me and people are asking me to, to use this gift in the church. And I'm seeing the power of it. And so we can, that can be an issue for us is that we can over identify with our giftedness and start to suffer a little bit of our identity in Christ as being so core, that core important piece to us. But that is part of how our identity can start to be formed more and more as we begin to recognize that God has given us gifts to use in his service, gifts that bless his body, gifts that are needed in the body of Christ. Yeah, as we studied the psychology of development in, in, in writing uh, Journey of the Soul, we looked at uh, great uh, theorists like Eric Erickson, uh, James Fowler, his stages of faith, uh, Piaget and cognitive development and others. But what you see is that uh, identity is central in our psychosocial development at all the stages. But especially at the R stage, our identity begins to come into a, a, a sort of a public recognition uh, we're, we're developing our identity, you know, right at the C stage with, with trusting God and belonging in church and all of that, because relationship is so fundam fundamental to identity. Certainly in the H stages, we're doing spiritual disciplines and practices, and we're, we're learning fundamental truths about, about God and life and, and the scripture and so forth. But now in the R stages, we're using our gifts. It, become, it becomes more outward, more social. Uh, more publicly recognized, as Christy is saying. And so it, it's uh, the, our stage is sort of like the, you know, it's responsibilities in ministry or and not just professional ministry, but responsibilities in serving God. And so it, it's like a, a, a coming into adulthood in a sense, a, a spiritual adulthood. And uh, that's a, an important part of our, of our growth in the Lord is to, is to get outward. And I mean, hopefully we're outward in loving other people in all of the stages, but it's, it's the main theme of the R stage. Yeah, and along these lines, when we talk about our, our gifting, our spiritual gifts, um, I'm thinking about disciplines and trying to understand, uncover what these things are. And you guys talk about an Elijah discipline. What is that? Yeah, so the story of Elijah, you know, on Mount Carmel, well, where he uh, faced off with the false prophets and uh, their uh, false gods and so forth, and uh, and he had tremendous faith in God that uh, showed that the uh, Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the God of all people and the God of the world, uh, a God of, of knowledge, uh, uh, eternal power, and wisdom, and a God of love, and that the uh, false prophets uh, and their God of Baal was not, not a, a, a real God, not a God of love. And so he had a tremendous victory there, and then he, he prayed, and, and a drought was ended, and, and it rained, and so he was like exerting a lot of uh, faith uh, muscles and, and energy output there. And he seemed to get a little uh, too much of his ego into it, as Christy was saying, which is what we, we tend to do in the R stage, especially. And so then he, then he, he raced uh, uh, Ahab's chariots uh, in a marathon and he won. <laughs> so he's just totally exhausted. And he collapses under a tree, you know, in the desert to, to find some shade. And uh, he feels like he's all alone. He feels like, you know, here I am, I've been serving God, and now, you know, uh, Jezebel, uh, the, the, the queen, uh, wants to kill me, and all these people are hunting me down, and 
uh, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm discouraged. Uh, nobody's here to help me. Poor me. And uh, God, do you really even love me? And this is the kinds of things he seems to be thinking and feeling. And then the Lord, the Lord meets him there. And the way that the Lord cares for Elijah really gets into what we're needing to learn uh, in the R stage, especially as we have been in that stage for a while, because in the early parts of the stage, there's so much enthusiasm and sense of significance, uh, oftentimes, not, not always, because all everybody's different. But as we're discovering our gifts and getting to use those gifts, a lot of times that's a, a very um, satisfying experience. But after some years down that path, we will experience the kind of things that Elijah did of feeling tired or spent or uh, like we've really put ourselves out there, maybe feeling alone. And so the Lord ministers to Elijah, and we call these Elijah's disciplines, because it's the basic stuff like uh, taking a nap and uh, getting a good meal and uh, uh, drinking and uh, being affirmed by someone that wants to bless you. And so Elijah, you know, naps, eats, and he goes back, he naps again, and then he eats some more. And the Lord's just like caring for him there, like, like a mother caring for a child, trying to restore him. And then they have a conversation that, you know, they have a soul talk. Uh, and, and part of what Elijah learns is he, he goes to the cave and he's quiet and he's still and it's, and it's dark. And, and the Lord teaches him about hearing God's voice. And Elijah thinks he's going to hear God in the earthquake and in the fire and in the windstorm. And, and the Lord's like, no, no, no. I mean, I could speak through those things, but uh, be, be quiet. And then it's a still, small voice. And the Lord is saying, you know, Elijah, this is the normal way I speak. It's just the, the thoughts or, or feelings that I impress into your mind, and you, you need to listen carefully. And the, norm, the Lord is saying, essentially, is the normal way that I work, Elijah, is not through these big, extraordinary miracles. I mean, those are great. They have their place. But the daily stuff is, is a lot more quiet, and, and it's more relational. It, it's, it seems more ordinary. And so he's, he's reshaping and mentoring Elijah, and he says, you know, look, you, I mean, you feel alone? But you're not alone. I get, there are hundreds of prophets uh, to Yahweh in Israel, and I'm going to introduce you to some, especially to Elijah. You're going to mentor him, and, and, and he's going to go with you and, and take the mantle and carry on your ministry. And that's it's, one of the things that, that Elijah needs to learn there is that it's not all dependent upon him because we can get overly heroic in the R stage. Or we could get where we just get very dutiful and we just think it's all up to us. And, you know, everybody's asking me to serve here and there because, you know, they're recognizing my gifts and the needs are so great. But then we begin to do it with a loss of our first love and a loss of, of doing it, you know, for Jesus. And it just becomes this duty that's exhausting us. So Elijah yeah. hit the wall and then the, the Holy Spirit is prompting him into the inner journey of a renewed devotion. Yeah, it, it would be easy to fall into the trap of serving so much that it becomes obligation and not a joy, not a grace, not not life giving. Um, and so, reflecting on my journey, you know, I spent a lot of years in <clears throat> in the help and discipleship stage because I, I just love to learn. So it's like another class, great, another book, great, let's do it. another curriculum, come on, um, and. I would every now and then I would dip my toe into the R stage, into the responsibilities. I, I would, I would volunteer, but maybe just for one thing, you know, and then I'd go right back to staying in my H stage. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I took class 301 and we do a shape. We do what we use, we call shape. So I, I did an inventory on my spiritual gifts, my heart, my abilities, my personality, my experiences. And then you meet with a shape guide and it kind of, pointed me toward a ministry. And, and that I think that, you know, getting involved in a small group really opens up the relationship side. And then another next step on that was getting involved in ministry that really opened up. And I started using some of the gifts and things that maybe, you know, I wasn't even sure I would be good at those things, but I experimented with some ministries and, and really mm -hmm. found a place where I, you know, found that I was thriving, but also, you know, being connected to the church as well. Um, but I could see my gifts were being used. But it's it's after the R stage that we come to this thing that might be new for many of us, and that's called the wall. Um, and then the, in the book, you write about the wall. It's kind of a non-stage. It's in the middle of the stages. It's a transition season. Um, 
And you talk about how we start to get to this place where we deny our distress and we stay busy. Um, and, and we don't deal with some of maybe the pain and some of the questions we're starting to have that come up. So talk about what the wall is, how do we get there and what helps us move through it? Yeah. So the, the challenge at the wall is that we're, we're, we're prone to get stuck there if we don't cooperate with the work of the Holy spirit. And, you know, the, the spirit is called the spirit of truth and also the spirit of grace. And so we, we need to get more uh, emotionally honest, uh, uh, real and raw about uh, our sins, our weaknesses, our, our, uh, our emotions and needs. And sometimes, you know, in that our stage, we, we sort of want to stay, we want to stay in that place of significance and using our gifts and having impact and being confident. And some of us, uh, we get a lot of adrenaline from all, all that work and all that service and helping and all that ministry and we want to stay in that place. And, but the Lord is wanting to lead us into a renewed uh, and deeper intimacy with him and a whole new uh, power source actually for our ministry ultimately that comes into play at, at the S stage. So the important thing at the wall is to be, uh, is to get out of denial because the, the, um, the Holy Spirit is prompting a very dramatic shift at the wall. We, we talk about the CH and R stages as the first half of the journey and the IS and T stages as the second half. Now, not everybody experiences the second half because it, it, it's such a cataclysmic change that it feels threatening to, to shift over from that, that linear mindset that, that uh, you know, if I do this, then God's going to bless me. That, that sort of a mindset that goes to the first half to shift from that into a more open-ended that, you know, all is grace. And, and there, there's paradoxes here that I can't figure out, but I, I can live in those tensions. And there are, there are gray areas here that I can live into uh, with Jesus and, and trusting God's word when I don't have the answers. And so the, the shift is so dramatic that what we, what we tend to do with the wall and because of the, the pain that's coming up and, and the questions that are troubling that are coming up, we, we try to revert back to the way things were. And so we want to feel the way we felt earlier in the R stage or back in the H stage. And so a lot of times we just, we don't get out that shovel. Uh, the shovel is the symbol of the I stage. And we, we don't want to do that digging in or we maybe we're distrusting of emotions. You know, they're just the caboose. I just need to think right and everything's going to be okay. Or gee, I don't, I don't want to talk to a counselor that that's, that's psychology. And I, I want to just stay with the Bible. And so we've got just these different ways that we, we don't want to, uh, Oh, that's too touchy feely or gee, that seems kind of new age because it's, it's more open-ended. And so we want things to be real black and white in the first half. And, but the Holy Spirit is, is inviting us to a more open-ended way of thinking and being and relating in, in a much broader and deeper application of God's word. So it's important that we, we pause and, and we slow down when we're at the wall. And, and that's the other thing that's hard is that we, we and it's hard for uh, us who are, are pastors and leaders in the church because, you know, our churches, we, we need lots of people in our stage who are serving and using their gifts but when those people hit the wall, if, if we haven't helped them sort of have a soft landing there, it, it can be a pretty ab abrupt shift where in order to get through that wall, we, we really need to, to, to uh, set some strong limits for a season on our activity and all the things that we're doing so that we have space to, to, to get out of denial and, and to feel and, and to pray more deeply and to maybe talk with a, a counselor or a spiritual director to, to work some things through because there's, a, there's some deep mysteries of how God is working in our life at the wall. And we're not going to be able to answer those things quickly. We, we need a process that will engage that and help us find new ways to connect with God. I think one of the things that happens when we hit the wall is that either we have totally lost our appetite for God, our longing for God, our ability to, to enjoy him, and that our life has become kind of flat spiritually, dutiful, going through the motions, and or we've hit this sense of what Bill was talking about, where there's this, uh, some pain in our life, things aren't working for us, there's a crisis, 
we list in the books different six main different kinds of walls that we hit. And we don't want to deal with that pain. And so we're trying to distract from it and trying to ignore from it and trying to, you know, busy ourselves with doing good and, and busyness in ministry or, or going back to helping disciples that maybe there's just something I can learn more or I need to believe better or stronger or get busy, you know, converting other people and bringing other people into the church. And all of these things will keep us stagnated in what the Lord has for us. If we will take that shovel in our hand and we'll let him reveal what's underneath all we're distracting and what's underneath our losing, our longing and our appreciation, our hunger and our first love for God and let him reveal that then in the inner journey is when he begins to do the healing work as we let him reveal. So I like to use the imagery for the inner journey of the Lord is, is asking our permission for him to begin to, to kind of dig into the soil of our soul and begin to reveal where there's been some weeds deeply planted and begin to uncover and uproot some of the thorns and the, the briars and, and reveal where there's fungus and infection and pull that out. And we avoid that because we're scared of it. It's ugly. It's messy. It, we like looking like these, this, pretty fruitful garden that looks so good and we can get over attached to our image and responsibility and ministry stage. And, and the inner journey is kind of a decomposition. It's like, it's getting messy. It's looking ugly. It, and maybe we're ashamed or we're afraid of that, or we're afraid of the pain of some of that being revealed and uprooted or just the desolation that that's starting to show itself scares us. And so the inner journey is where we begin to yield that to the Lord and invite him to do that deeper work of uncovering, of revealing, of healing, and then some new planting and, and, and the restoration of our souls that he wants to do and fertilizing our souls. And that's where some of those Elijah disciplines come in as we, as we learn to drink deeper of him and to receive his living water into parts of our souls that have kind of been rocky and there hasn't been much access to it. Yeah, you know, when I first moved to California, this was the place I was in, the wall. Um, so even just reading through this gave me a lot of language of like, that's exactly how I felt. Um, just dryness, had some wounds that had been unaddressed. And I started to see a counselor um, for that very reason to uh, to kind of dig in and get to the bottom and the root, root of it. And um, he said, you know, Brandon, I think there's a wound here and the way he framed it was really, really helpful for me. He said, there's a wound here. Um, he's like, and I think the, the, he said, the Holy spirit wants you to, to go into it with him. Will you enter into the wound with the Holy spirit? Um, and at first I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not going in there. I don't, it doesn't matter if God's in there. I, I can't do it. Um, but slowly, but surely started to take a few, just a few more steps. Um, and what made the difference was the way that he phrased it of, he, he said it like the Holy Spirit's already in there. Do you want to join him with what he's doing? He is bringing healing, but do you want to, do you want to go in there with him? Um, and it was kind of starting this inner journey for me of really for the first time, even looking back at family history, my own history and seeing how does this all relate to my relationship with Christ now? Because up until that point, it was like, well, that's all, that's back there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I press on, um, but you you can't do that. It's not just in the past or just because it's in the past doesn't mean that it's not active um, in your life right now. And that was really helpful for me. And I want to talk about that, but I have one question about the wall. In the book you guys wrote, um, you know, when we're at the wall, we have to rest we have to seek empathy um, and wait on God. And when I read seek empathy in particular, I thought that's interesting. What does that have to do with moving beyond the wall or getting beyond it? How does, how does seeking empathy help us when we're at the wall? Empathy is so important because it is a new avenue to which we can receive a validation of what our experience is that we've been running from and we've been covering up with busyness and heroic efforts of responsibility and achievement. And so as we 
are in or in and receive a validation and empathy. And we recognize that Jesus, as, as we write about in the book, and as Bill said, Jesus went on this journey of the soul as a human being. And so he empathizes with us. The act of the incarnation itself is a most important act of empathy that Jesus came to show us. He empathizes with our experience. He knows the journey. He knows the ups and downs. He knows the pains and the sufferings. He knows the challenges. He knows the relations. He, he knows all of it. And he wants more of God for us like he has. And so he comes to impart that to us. And empathy is a way that we, we receive that. We open up deeper to more of his love and we get free from shame. Because is when we're not receiving empathy, we go to shame. Mm. That's what happens. If somebody doesn't validate your experience and your emotions and isn't able to understand and enter in with a sense of, of empathy, of understanding, of seeing it and validating how it feels and being with you in it, then the result's shame. And shame leads us to hiding and all kinds of covering up and all kinds of um, self-medicating and destructive behaviors. And it cuts us off from God in his praise. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been to the wall a couple times. <clears throat> and the first time I went to the wall, I did not go through. I bounced off. Mm -hmm. I was not comfortable and ready. I guess that's the language I have now. But what would you say is the typical reason somebody heads back to the, the, the first three stages and doesn't move through the wall. No, it's scary. There's a, a deconstruction of our ourself as we, we understand it, our, our identity. We, we have um, uh, false self, ideal stuff going on that we're not realizing. Uh, and uh, because of the, the, the pain, the questions, the, the unsettled experiences at the wall, um, most of us uh, re resist going through that at first. And oftentimes at the wall, there arises doubt that scares us. And we start to feel like maybe I've lost my faith. Maybe this isn't even real anymore. What am I doing? And if we hide in that, we're really at danger for losing our faith. And we don't know oftentimes at the wall that it's not the end, that we haven't at the wall. We often kind of think, well, I guess this is all there is to the Christian life. And you know, I guess I've tried that and I'm done with it now. And we don't realize, and that's where we need, we need guides who can guide us through this. And that's what we're praying this book will do is serve as a guide to give people a vision of what God has for them next. Yeah. So the second time I came back to the wall is very similar to what you just described, Christy. So now I've, I've been part of church. Now I'm working at a church. I am serving like crazy. I'm at a campus. I mean, we're, we're just making it happen for Jesus and I'm reading books and I'm growing, I'm in small group and I'm, I'm doing the things of the first three stages. And I'm starting though, to feel this tension of almost like, uh, I guess sometimes there was a guilt there. Like, why do I not feel like I want to read the Bible or why do I even feel like I don't want to go to church? I work at a church and I'm, so I realized, okay, I'm at the wall again. Mm -hmm. So one, it speaks to the circular nature of the journey that you guys talk about, right? Like there's no point where I just, well, I failed and that was it, right? Like, no, I get, I, I can come back and I can, I can grow and come back the next time and, and see, okay, how might it be different? Well, for me, this time it was different because I um, decided to do a 12-step group to celebrate recovery. And, and I've shared this story before, but I want to share it again. Celebrate recovery is sometimes um, at Saddleback kind of set up in the way of like, well, if you have a drug addiction or an eating addiction or some type of like something like that, um, you know, sexual addiction, then that's where Celebrate Recovery people go. And when I first went into the 12-step group, having sent hundreds of people there as a pastor and I'm sitting there for the first time and I'm like, do, am I, am I in the right spot? And then by week two, I'm like, yeah, I, I am because you know what? I have a hurt and that hurt manifests itself as a hangup around anger and fear. And that was the place where now I started to get empathy and celebrate recovery. We, we don't try to solve anyone's problems. Like we, we have even a rule, no crosstalk. Like we don't, but, but man, we listen man, do we listen and we'll give you a hug and we'll throw a heart. like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't, 
and they didn't have to solve it. They just had to get it. They had to give me empathy as you referred to. And that started getting me, I start chipping on that wall and I start seeing shafts of light flowing through. I'm like, there's something on the other side of this that I want to go after. And what's on the other side of that is the inner journey, the I stage. Hey everyone, this is your host, Brandon Robinson. I'm just hopping in here because I want to put a pin in the conversation. There's so much goodness coming on the other side of this, and I don't want to miss it and combine it all into just one episode because I think it is strong in two. So there will be a part two coming. So please stay focused, stay here. Uh, the follow up to this conversation, the part two is coming next week. As always, we love you guys. We are praying for you, and we'll be back with you very soon. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week